I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. If you appreciate Cato's research and analysis, I'd like to ask you to financially support the Cato Daily Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute to advance the ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. If you support our mission by becoming a new Cato Podcast sponsor or renew your sponsorship with an increased gift, one generous sponsor will be matching your gift dollar for dollar that will double your impact. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support our work. This is the only time of the year when I make this request, so I'm adding something as well. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I will gladly give you a shout out on the podcast, or you can designate an individual to receive all the benefits of that donation. Just visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. And thank you. This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 24th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. As we approach the Christmas holiday, what's the state of religious toleration around the globe? Cato Senior Fellow Doug Bandow takes stock of some of the worst regimes when it comes to religious toleration. With the exception of this year, what had been the trend, if any, in religious persecution around the globe? Religious persecution has been on the rise. I mean, it came down a few years ago, but it's been fairly steady coming up in recent years. And unfortunately, that has not been broken, according to the latest report from Pew Research Center. So what does that mean? What does religious persecution look like generally in recent years? Well, what you find is that, uh, you know, 150, 200 countries, it varies a bit by the religion, but persecution is very widely uh, practiced. You find uh, in majority of countries, there's at least some. Uh, There are different sorts of persecution. One form is direct government pressure, government arrests, uh, imprisonment, uh, and the other is social hostility which they can work together, but they also can be very different. Some countries are high on one or high on another. Some countries are high on both of them. When I think of religious persecution right now, I think of China. What does it look like there? Well, China is probably number one in the world, or at least that we can measure. North Korea may be number one in reality, but we don't have access there. China has gotten very bad recently. China is doing a number of things. One is the Uyghurs, who are Muslims in Xinjiang. Uh, There's a real attempt to wipe out Islamic culture, Islamic belief, people sent to re-education camps, uh, an attempt to uh, stop people from following religious practices, fasting, what they eat, that kind of a thing. Elsewhere in China, you find that churches uh, of all sorts are being closed down, uh, pastors are arrested. Uh, And some of them, they require people put up pictures of uh, Xi Jinping, put up uh, communist uh, propaganda. Other churches, they've torn down at least steeples, crosses, an extraordinary attempt really to suppress a religion and to sinicize it, to try to make it basically subordinate to the Communist Party. The Pew survey here uh, lists uh, some of the other countries that are worst on religious persecution, Iran, Malaysia, Maldives, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Indonesia, Vietnam, Uzbekistan, Burma, Myanmar. Singapore, Kazakhstan, Turkey, Azerbaijan, Brunei, Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, Laos, and India. What has been the nature of religious persecution from India? India is uh, very much Hindu nationalism. It's been exacerbated by uh, Narendra Modi's uh, premiership. 
He has been active in uh, Hindu nationalist uh, activities since his youth. He was premier of the uh, state of Gujarat, where there was an incident uh, while he was premier. A couple of thousand Muslims were killed in rioting you know, by Hindus. It's very heavy Hindu on Muslims simply because uh, Muslims make up a fairly substantial proportion of the population. But Christians and others also suffer, that uh, there's a sense that to be Indian means to be Hindu. It also ties into the issue of uh, cattle, that uh, you know, there's a kind of vigilante squads going after people who are thought to traffic in you know, cows, uh, to eat them, uh, to uh, sell them. And that's added kind of another element that's very religiously oriented, given the role that Hindus assign you know, to, uh, to cows. There are these two measures that Pew uses here. Um, and the other one is essentially hate. That is social sanction against people uh, within religious groups. How do those overlap? Well, what you find is in a country like China, there's not that much innate religiosity. So there's not a lot of hate. I mean, if you're a Buddhist or you're a lapsed Buddhist, or even if you're kind of a communist, you don't have a theological objection to people who uh, are Taoists or Buddhists or Christians or Muslims. Uh, So there it's primarily political and governmental, focused by the state. A country like India, a country like Egypt, uh, you know, a, a number of the Muslim countries, the social hostility is also very high. A Pakistan, where much of this is directed at other people because they believe certain things. And it can get very complicated because it can be Muslim on Muslim. The differences uh, between Shia and Sunni are very real, very significant. So you'll find persecution that way as well. A country like Iran gives at least a certain amount of uh, deference to what they call people of the book, that is Christians and Jews who are also Abrahamic. But Baha'is are viewed as being apostates or treated even worse uh, than Christians and Jews. So it can get very complicated in some of these societies. For U.S. policy, uh, the United States has intervened in a lot of Muslim-majority countries. What should uh, the fact of religious persecution around the globe, what should that mean for U.S. policy going forward? Well, it's certainly one more reason for the U.S. to be cautious about intervention, because Typically, uh, local folks will identify local Christians with the United States, will identify local Christians with U.S. policy. So local Christians often will be blamed and will be targeted. If uh, you know, folks are upset with uh, U.S. policy, they look around and say, how can we hurt America? If there aren't many Americans around, they will go after local Christians. And it certainly is evidence of how destructive U.S. intervention can be. Look at Iraq, for example. The indigenous Christian community was almost destroyed. When ISIS showed up, groups like Yazidis, another uh, minority, were enslaved. Uh, women were raped. I mean, hideous, uh, you know, almost genocidal practices against them. So the U.S. wants to bear that in mind. The U.S. really can't stop religious persecution in other countries. It can certainly speak out on behalf of freedom everywhere. But its behavior is what's more critically important in most cases. What's been the uh, Trump administration record on religious liberty, uh, in particular with with respect to policy around the globe? And what do we expect uh, from a Biden administration? 
Well, the Trump administration in one sense has been good. That is, it's had a U.S. ambassador on religious liberty. It has you know, actually promoted and advanced the idea of religious liberty. The problem is that comes in the context of a human rights practice that is almost entirely directed at adversaries of America that say very little about friends of America. So the Trump administration says nothing about really vicious religious persecution in Saudi Arabia, but complains about it in Iran. Now, Iran deserves to be criticized very heavily. But of course, Saudi Arabia, there's not a single church or synagogue or temple that exists. And America says very little about that. So the Trump administration, while promoting the concept, I think has been uh, in certain ways ineffective in many cases because it's seen as purely political as opposed to principled. It's hard to know where Biden is going. Now, Biden is a believing Catholic, uh, and he's uh, he and the people around him, Antony uh, Blinken and others, seem very committed to human rights. So my hope is that they will take a broader and a more consistent view that will treat religious liberty as another human right, a very fundamental one, and will promote it and not use it as a political weapon the way the Trump administration has. Doug Bandau is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. In this season of giving, consider becoming a Cato podcast sponsor. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor.